Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 37 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. Exciting announcement, as this week and every week throughout the MLB playoffs, we're going to be joined by Ryan Ripken. He is here to break everything down, all the major storylines, and talking everything there is to know about MLB playoffs. Ryan is here. But before we get to this week's episode, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Som Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Because Som Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced SOM snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it has helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, not SOM sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Go to GetSOM.com, click Shop, and enter the code BATS, that's B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order of SOM sleep. Now, here's Ryan Ripken. All right, so we are now joined this week by friend of the podcast, Ryan Ripken. He is here talking all things MLB playoffs. Uh, you can hear him. He's all over. 3-0 take pod, WBAL. I mean, he's, he's doing it all in the media world. He's absolutely crushing it. Uh, and we're so thankful to have him on the Breaking Bats pod this week. So, Ryan, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad we can get back on. And, and I know we're back on about to talk about, and that's playoff baseball. And it has been a lot of fun so far. There's nothing like it. I, I sat down and I watched probably 12 hours of playoff baseball yesterday. Some of these 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock starts on a weekday are weird. Like, especially that first game, like the, the Guardians and the Rays last week. It was like noon on a Friday. I'm like, I feel like we probably could have done a little bit better job of scheduling that. But uh, it, it def- definitely, like the early rounds are so much fun because there's just, it's baseball galore. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you bring up with the times. It's funny. I always feel that when the schedule comes out, it's like, oh, well, I can't watch any games. It's not going to work out. I always seem right now, especially doing more work from home, it's always on. Like I always, I look up and like, how did the game come on? Oh, well I put it on obviously, but it's such a cool time of the year and playoff baseball truly is a different breed. And I think we've, there's been great examples, which I know we're going to dive in. That's already happened so far within this first few days of the postseason. It's, it's been the best, uh, especially just take MLB Network, put it on, just leave it on all day. That's that's the way I, I roll in this uh, the playoffs months of October. But uh, I want to talk first about the wild card round that just wrapped up. We're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, biggest surprises. I looked at your picks there you put out. You, we had three for four of uh, the same ones. You obviously had the Mets. You're a bigger Mets guy than I was. Um, mm-hmm. What was your biggest surprise you took away from wild card weekend? Well, actually... It was Seattle going into Toronto and just doing a clean sweep. I think of all the ones that surprised me the most, and I think how they did it. I was worried because Toronto looked like they were picking up steam. They have a really good offense. They're playing at home. This The country of Canada is behind them. And then here comes Seattle. You, you, you take game one, and then you fall behind in game two. And then you come all the way back, shock Toronto to move on, I thought that was probably the biggest surprise to me. And as far as then in the NL, I mean, yeah, it's the Mets. It The Mets finding a way to still be the Mets. And I was very high on them because when you look at their team and they had a great year and really it's all for nothing now. And 
again, the Braves were playing. They were the hottest team, honestly, since June. And the Braves came in and really earned the division. But if you're a Mets team that spent all that money and you get bounced at home in the wild card, it can't be anything less than disappointing. Absolutely. I mean, they had, was it a 10 and a half game lead on June 1st? The Mets did over the Braves and then to have it run away and then just get out of hand. Uh, it was, you know, when you take a look back at that wild card series with the Padres, though, where, where do you kind of assess blame? Because, you know, DeGrom pitched his heart out. Scherzer obviously got beat up in game one and then game three. I mean, Joe Musgrove's performance is the stuff of legend now in San Diego. But when, when you look back at that Mets series, where do you kind of assess blame for how it kind of all went down? Well, I, I think honestly, it felt like the Mets got it were shocked after that brave series that you went to Atlanta and you flopped. Atlanta just took it to you. And I'm curious if that hurt their confidence or, or brought them down a level. As a player, no one's ever gonna admit that. And I, honestly, if that was me in the Mets situation, I'd say that's a bunch of that's a bunch of bull. But the reality is that did really hurt them in the grand scheme of things. Not only did it knock them out of the division knocked him out of a bye. So the blame, I, I don't know if it's any specific player, any specific thing. You can't expect you want your aces to be on all the time, but the reality is they can't. Scherzer's had a track record. It just wasn't his night. But for game three, I think the thing that's hard is at home, as great as, as Musgrove pitched, it, what's disappointed is at home you – just didn't put up much of an offensive fight. You actually just got smoked at home in a, in a do or die game. I think that's just the thing. If there's any blame, it's just the stars of the Mets didn't shine while the Padres did. And that was the difference in the series. I saw a great stat. Not great. If you're a Mets fan, it says the Mets are the first team in MLB history to to produce only one hit in a winner take all playoff game. So I think that's kind of the bad no, it's not. It's not good if you're. It's not good if you're a Mets fan. Um, I, I there's a part of me that feels bad because obviously Buck is there, Wayne Kirby's there. Like I wanted, I wanted to root so hard for the Mets, but at the end of the day, being from Maryland, I just can't bring myself to root for any team from the from New York, New York City sports teams. Like if if anyone was going to be the one, that would probably be it. Yeah. But it's also at the end of the day, like you said, it's like it's the same old Mets. They will find a way, regardless of how good the team is, to always just kind of let people down. Um, and then what, what did you think about Edwin Diaz's trumpets being played in game three down four in the eighth? Um, that's, would you have let him put that out there? It just, well, you know what? It's his walkout song, so you can't let him change it, but it definitely out of all the buzz that it got for the year, the trumpets coming out in that situation just really were deflating. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like those trumpets were a sign of the end, you know, it, it was the ending moment and it was a, you know, it was more of a depressing feel. So I don't, I, you know, what? He, it's his walkout song. He's got to do what he's got to do, but it definitely is not the way, you know, anyone hoped. And I wanted to just touch on thing with Buck with, I, I feel for Buck Showalter because he is such a tremendous uh, manager and a person. And it does stink that he now he's continuing to get the reputation of being able to put a good team together, have great regular seasons, but just not have the postseason success and that's the hard thing, and I wish for him, and I hope next year with the Mets, I hope they get a chance and they can rebound because of all the managers right now in there, I think Buck Buck definitely deserves a chance at a World Series ring. 
I think he does too. And you brought up how different this team could potentially look next season. Their list of offseason free agents or guys that could opt out and become free agents, it's staggering. It's like it's like a third of their team or something can do it. It's like guys like DeGrom, Bassett, Diaz, I think might be just unrestricted. Like, do you think that, you know, Steve Cohen, Uncle Steve Cohen was going to open up the checkbooks and keep this thing together? Or do you think this team next year is going to look radically different? I feel like I feel if they made the moves they did last year in free agency, no doubt they're going to go back to to the to the well for that again because you're in the win now. You don't sign Max Scherzer to that deal if you don't think you're going to win. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another guy. And I again, I have to look at how the numbers and contracts look. But you're in New York, and I think that the Mets have a good team to compete. And right now their window is over the next two to three years. And then you can move on just because I don't see the Braves going anywhere anytime soon. And right now it's a space that I just brought up Scherzer. You hope you have DeGrom as well. And maybe you bring in another arm that that rotation should be the leading force for you, but that's not going to last forever. So take advantage of it. Now. I think the Mets are going to be big spenders just like they were last year. I wanted to kind of stick in the NL East here and talk about the Philadelphia Phillies for a second because they are, I don't know if anybody predicted they would be winning three straight games in the playoffs. They barely got into the playoffs as it was with that third wild mm-hmm. card. They swept the Cardinals and obviously they won seven to six on Tuesday against Atlanta. But I mean, what do you like about the way the Phillies are playing baseball right now? So the Phillies right now are playing that everyone hoped they would to start the season. You know, that they, even last year, they had the, when they, when Bryce Harper, Actually, let's just start with that. When Bryce Harper came to Philly, that was the thought of the Phillies were going to be contenders. And it just didn't happen. didn't come to fruition. Now they had other holes on their roster and it made sense. But then you go and get Castellanos and you get Schwarber and you're still having these struggles. All of a sudden, they find a way to sneak in. And now they're playing as the way that the expectations were. And I'd say the Padres were the same way that the Padres and Phillies had these huge expectations to go and play and be a world series contender. And the Phillies now are living up to their hype now, but the best thing for them and even the Padres, they're playing with house money. They're not the favorites, but, but this was definitely the expectation that people were thinking the Phillies would be in the last couple of years. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of not for long media and the breaking bats podcast, the original fudge kitchen. It's a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in store, guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media sent you. Uh, I was checking out their Instagram. It's at the original Fudge Kitchen on Instagram. They've shifted. Obviously, summer's over. We're deep into October. It's fall. It's spooky season. They put up pumpkin pie fudge and yummy gummy eyeballs. I mean, the Halloween, the spooky treats are in full swing at the original Fudge Kitchen. It is fantastic. Um, So if you aren't able to visit in person, they ship all across the country. Be sure to check them out at fudgekitchenswithans.com. That's fudgekitchenswithans.com. The original Fudge Kitchen is shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Their starting pitching is something that I, look, I didn't watch a lot of Phillies baseball this year, hand up, but Mm -hmm. I had no idea they had like horses in that rotation. Like Aaron oh, Nola yeah. has, has not given up a run in like 15 innings and in last two starts. Zach Wheeler has absolutely been shoving uh, Ranger Suarez, even though he didn't pitch well against the Braves, he still put them in a position to win. But like, do you see the Phillies rotation being what will be care? What will carry them farther in this, pl- in this postseason? Well, I think 
it's going to be a combination. And I touched on it and I tweeted out and I actually had a video I put on YouTube. The big, the big stars on offense are going to have to lead that, that team. So Castellanos, Harper and Schwarber and Castellanos and Harper went six for eight or yesterday with multiple runs scored in RBIs and then Castellanos had the game winning play, but you're right. They're, they're horses in their rotation. They're going to have to be leaned upon because that Braves offense is so good. Yes. The Phillies are going to have to put up runs and, and we've saw that the Braves are not going to go away. They're going to fight till the end, but those are really those those two guys that you that you were talking about. They're big. They're probably the main reason that this team was able to stay in the race consistently and get to the postseason. So you got to lean on your on your on your guys as it moves forward because if you get by the Braves, that's amazing. But then what's waiting for you is possibly the best team in baseball, the Dodgers or the Padres. And again, you are going to need your pitching if you're going to move on and try to get to the World Series. Castellanos came up big with the bat. He almost came up. He came up big with the glove too. That sliding yeah. catch there. I mean, so you know, uh, this is a guy who Phillies fans love to bemoan on Twitter. Like, oh, this Castellanos guy all year is, is you know, he's slumping or his, his outfield defense was subpar. But he's he's coming up big. Um, I saw David Robertson. He came up. He was one of their like clutch late inning relievers this year. He mm-hmm. celebrated the Bryce Harper home run too hard. He strained his calf, I think. So, I mean, oh, in, in terms of baseball weird injuries, where do you kind of rank that? Because Brian and I did one on Wednesday's pod. Um, but, I mean, that's that's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Oh, that's up there. I mean, usually when you hear about non-baseball or, you know, non-baseball playing injuries, it's guys, and I think it just happened recently with Phil Maton, punching a wall, like guys taking out frustration, and they think that their hand is going to go through the, the a concrete wall and I'm here to tell you, you never win that that battle ever. So I, I think honestly, the one that just pops back into my mind is the Kendris Morales walk off grand slam, and that was years ago. And then he jumped onto home plate. And how many players like jump onto home plate on a walk off home run? And then he broke his leg or tore ligaments, and he was done for the season. I think so. That one to me, I remember watching that and be like, oh my gosh, like they came like that was sick. That was amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, my, oh, my God, that I can't believe that happened. Um, I will say I have been around when guys have punched a wall. That that to me still like that's that's not the weirdest, but that still is the thing to me that gets is like, you know, it happens a lot more than you think. But does the thought go through that you're not going to win that battle? Like it still goes through my head. I remember as a kid, I saw it when my dad was playing um guy came in smacked broke his hand and i'm thinking wow like that was crazy and then realized he broke his hand um and then a few guys later uh i don't know do you have any other ones what, what were the other ones you guys had so i remember when sammy sosa sneezed too hard uh and he sprained oh a ligament goodness. in his back um tom glavin had bad like food poisoning and he threw up so hard he broke his ribs that's <laughs> That's absurd. I don't think I've heard of that one. <laughs> and then, oh my um, goodness. I don't know if you remember this, but Marty Cordova on the Orioles in 02 when he was in the tanning bed for too long and he got really bad sunburn. That's my personal all-time favorite. That is all-time. I did not even remember that. Oh, my goodness. And what a throwback. Marty Cordova. Uh, that You know what? Those take the cakes. Mine at least had to do with somewhat of baseball like after the play. Those are just 
like you just can't make those up. If you told me that honestly right there, I I would think that that you're you're lying straight to my face. But it happened. <laughs> you never know, right? I love the Marty Cordova one is one of the most obscure, funny things. And I, I had Rodrigo Lopez on like my mm-hmm. pod back in the day. And mm-hmm. I asked him about that. He said the entire clubhouse was just mocking him incessantly. And Richie Bansells called him El Stupido. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Especially from Rich. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll just say this, you know, um, he wanted to, he was trying to get his bronze on and yeah. uh, just went a little bit too long. <laughs> so shout out, uh, you know, just get, you gotta, you gotta know when the timer goes off in the tanning bed. You can't take a nap in there. Um, so yeah, just the, in the in the ethos of of weird baseball injuries, Dave, David Robertson. That's that's a tough break for the Phillies back end bullpen. But um, to also stick in the NL East, there, uh, Brian Snicker, the manager of the Atlanta Braves, he talked about this five game layoff that they had, and he said mm-hmm. that they didn't really need that many days off. And it, you know, he talked maybe he didn't want to assess blame for the five day layoff as to why they didn't look great. But I'm sure in the back of his mind, he was thinking of it a little bit. But like. A five-game layoff in, in terms of going from the regular season to the playoffs feels long. Is it hard not playing for that long period of time, do you think? Well, I think especially if you're a team like the Braves where you're feeling good and you want to keep playing, it's great. You know, a team like the Yankees where it was up and down towards the end and they had a lot of the stress of getting to the postseason and Aaron Judge trying to break the record, they might have needed that time. So it really depends on the team. T- typically speaking, if you're a hitter and you're feeling really good, you don't want the days off. You want to get right back out there. So I understand where he's coming from because that is a long time. And we see team momentum's a thing. So if you play games, we saw with the, the playing games before this format, the team wins that game and then they just get hot. You know, whether in years past that going way back when the Rockies snuck in won their tie-breaking game, and then just uh, bowled over everyone in the NL to the World Series, obviously fell to the Red Sox. But then Kansas City Royals having an epic, epic wild card game, and then they got hot en route to their successes. So there is the momentum. Having said that, it just varies team to team. And the Braves did look sluggish to start off, but it's hard to argue then right now with how the Dodgers – and the Yankees came out to play. The Astros looked like they were a little bit in slow-mo, but obviously some some fireworks happened late in that one. You always hear rest versus rust in terms of the NFL playoffs, but it's, it's just interesting to think about it in terms of baseball, where, you know, maybe in, ca- in ca- cases, some like older teams, like you get some guys healthy, maybe the days off are better. I know sometimes starting pitchers, like they always pitch better with like eight days in between starts or something. But yeah, I mean, that's that's just an interesting thing to think about, rest versus rust. And so you, you are a believer in, in momentum in baseball then? I, I, I do. I think it, it's not just baseball. It's any sport, I think. But I but I think it's just it's different by team. And sometimes it's just knowing what, what each team needs. And like, let's go. We'll start with a player specific and a then go to the team player specific. If you are and I use this all star break as a perfect example is that if you are really struggling going into the all-star break and you need a reset, and this is the only time where you can get a reset without sitting on the bench during games, that's a perfect time because say you're 0 for 30, you can't figure things out and it's just been an, or maybe it's even more and you haven't or had an awful month that those few days off could be the best thing for you to get back on track. And so that's when I look at as far as that. And that's why I brought up then going specific team talking about the Yankees 
The Yankees, obviously, everyone thought they were going to win 161 games, it felt like, this year. And then they all everyone thought, they, oh, wow, they're gonna possibly going to miss the playoffs, which is, again, huge overreaction. They weren't going to miss the playoffs, but everyone thought that the ship was sinking on the Yankees. Plus, Aaron Judge is trying to, to break a record. So the stress for them was so high. It was a good thing for them to get that rest, in my opinion, because it it put everything at a standstill. And then finally they could reset and then Garrett Cole's ready to go and gives them a good performance in game one. So that's where I kind of look at it. And again, it is team by team, but I'm sure the Phillies are definitely a team where they, they benefited from the momentum stealing game one in St. Louis didn't feel like they were going to lose game two. And then you take that confidence into Atlanta that you can go in and have a chance. And Seattle did this exact same thing as well. They just didn't close out the game. This would all be solved if we just did. I like the one game wild card. I will go to my grave thinking that the one game wild card is a perfect format for that. Three games for that wild card series. I don't know. It's just something doesn't. It doesn't pass the smell test for me. I know we got a lot of cool moments from it, but the yeah. dramatics of every pitching change counts. Every pinch hit, like you know, the one game had so many more cool moments. I don't know. I, I just think that that was probably, you know, you get to play three games if you're the Padres or whatever, like that you have more, you have a better chance of gaining that momentum because you already have more games played. I don't know. Yeah. The, the do or die, it, the intensity level rises. It's the only time in baseball where it is a one game playoff. So I do miss that component because it is your ten, Like you don't want to leave your, your seat you don't want to leave your seat at any point whether you're watching from home or you're in the stands because it feels like every moment matters every single little thing matters and there's been such tremendous one game wild card moments so i'm with you on that but i will say i'm glad at least there were so many great games and even though most of the series only went two games and it was a clean sweep i mean even that Rays guardians game that's the most exciting one nothing game that you are going to watch all season long, and it went 15 innings. The whole place is still packed. Everyone's on pins and needles. They're battling it out. And then Oscar Gonzalez, right, came mm-hmm. up. SpongeBob comes through the speakers. SpongeBob. Place goes nuts. And then Corey Kluber hanging slider, home run, walk off. And the place is going berserk, you know, four plus hours later, or however long the game was. So, those are the moments that are cool. And that's what I, I, I'm glad. I hope that with this new format that the non or maybe the average baseball fan or people who don't watch as much will get excited about how cool those atmospheres and situations are. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's that was that five hour race guardians game on Saturday where you're like, you're, you're still checking in. It's like you're watching college football. It's like, oh, they're still going. Oh, yeah. They're still going. Oh, my. Oh, did someone score? Oh, no, it's still no, zero, it's zero. Just, okay. <laughs> Just, yeah, pitching duel. Um, pitching I wanted to touch duel. on the Mariners' collapse because you're right. They, they had this momentum coming off of, you know, the, the dramatic come-from-behind win. I think it was the largest one in postseason history against the Blue mm-hmm. Jays in the wild card. They were up 7-3. to three. They beat Justin Verlander up. I think – so I looked at Verlander's, like, game log for this season. He's only given up six runs once, and that was, ironically, to the Mariners back in May. But, like, how deflating do you think that is if you're if you're on the Mariners right now to know that you were up 7-3 to three in the seventh and just couldn't close it out? I mean, first off, you, you had a tough time facing them in the regular season. I think Seattle lost – I got to look up the stat, but I think they lost at least 12 times to the Astros. 
So you have that, I think, on top of it. But but then you're going against the Cy Young Award winner in the AL. Verlander should win the Cy Young. You you're you are taking Houston's best punch in Game One. You are handing it to them, and then you let it slip away. It's so deflating because it was a game you weren't supposed to have, and right there that's the game you need to take one of those games to win the series now i'm not it's so naive of me and foolish to say the series is over because there's more games to go but that it's hard for me to to get behind the mariners winning that series when you let that opportunity go away because when verlander pitches again i highly doubt we're going to see that happen twice where he is just not on his game and the mariners are all over him it could happen but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check that Verlander is pretty pissed off. He's going to come back and make the right proper adjustments when it matters. And, and for the Astros, that's why they're the best team in the American league. They didn't quit. And your star power just showed up Alvarez. It was the Houston, Houston, Jordans or Houston Alvarez's on last night's game, five RBIs, including the three run home run. And I think people forget, which two strikes down to your last out or last strike, last out, keeping the bat alive to get to Alvarez as the next hitter. You know, those are little things. Houston is hard to put away and they proved it. And Seattle just, they let a tough, they let a unbelievable opportunity slip away. And it's, I think it's going to be challenging now to, uh, to win that series um, after losing game one. It, it really was. It's the most, obviously it's the most deflating one to win or way to lose. Um, and I looked, and it was like that that Alvarez home run. I think it was the first one in playoff history. It was a walk-off when the team was down multiple runs. Yeah. I don't know how that's even possible in all the history of playoff baseball. But I still like him in this series. I still like Castillo. I, I had the Mariners going to the World Series in my in my pre-postseason bracket pick. I like this team a lot. Um, yeah. They they can win multiple ways, which is what I like. It's not all home run dependent. Obviously, like in that one against the Blue Jays, um, you know, they had the three run shot there and then they just kind of mm-hmm. chipped away with singles and whatever. But um, do you see that kind of being the path to win against the Astros is just kind of like, you know, small ball. Cause the Astros don't really give up that many home runs. The, the Astros, they're just very consistent. They don't beat themselves. They don't give up a lot of the, yeah, like you said, they're not, they're not making the big mistakes and especially pitching Seattle. Yeah. I mean, Seattle has the blueprint. I, I really like, my heart wants Seattle to get to the world series. I think it would be so cool for them. And I think they have the talent to do it. And like you said, they can do it in a lot of different ways. They don't wow you in any specific category, but they do a lot of things well. And I think that's what makes them and it being a team that's confident that that is a danger. That's a dangerous team. So that's what they're going to need to do to beat the Astros. That's what anyone's going to need to do to beat the Astros is to continue to put pressure on them. And if you can continue to keep the pressure on them like you did in game one, but close it out, that's going to bode well for you moving forward. But Houston has been there and done that. And it does help that you have Bregman and Altuve and Alvarez that seem to shine the biggest moments. And yeah. keep in mind, you know, Bregman's home run in the eighth inning brought that game within two. So they they know what it takes to win a World Series. So now that's going to be a that's going to be a hurdle that Seattle is going to have to overcome as well. Well, let's hope they can you know get get one in the road on in Houston and come they back need to Seattle. To. They need to take Game Two. They have to have to take Game Two. Go back to Seattle. That place will be bumping first playoff game there since 01. So it'll be 
I can't, can't wait. I, I'm going to be glued to my screen watching that one. I cannot wait for the Mariners' first home game. It's going to be the best. Um, the other one in the AL is the Guardians and the Yankees. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot on this game. I don't really think most people think the Guardians are going to be able to get past the Yankees. Garrett Cole, one run, six and a third. I, the, only, I, the only thing I can think about for this game is like the, the home field advantage playing in the Bronx. It just feels like, obviously, this is Garrett Cole's first playoff start in New York with fans, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. How much yeah. of an advantage do you think it is playing with the, you know, the Bronx faithful there? I think the I think the Bronx in the playoffs is a way bigger home advantage than people probably give it credit for. Maybe because of when you look at previous years or the iconic moments, especially like people go back to like when the Red Sox shocked them, you know, and, and down 3-0. But that that's a whole different thing. And, and when there's rivals, you throw everything out the window. But it just feels like this is just the perfect matchup for the Yankees. They get to play at home. They thrive in New York. And you're playing a Cleveland Guardians team that is very good pitching, but they do struggle to score runs. And that's why it worked out for them against the Rays is because the Rays also were struggling to score offensively. And the Guardians are a pesky team. They battle. So for the the Guardians to win this series, they cannot get into a slugfest with New York. I just don't see that working out in their favor. Sure, they could win a game or two, but historically, do not get into a slugfest with with Aaron Judge, Stanton, and the rest of that lineup because more cases than not, you're not going to win. I think what the Guardians have done this year has been tremendous, but this is not the team that they needed to face in the ALDS. I think New York and Garrett Cole, even though I can't believe I saw the stat seven home or he's given up a home run in seven consecutive postseason starts. Is that actually true? Yeah. That's that is that is wild to me. And <laughs> but here it is. He did give up the home run. And I could see on Twitter, I could see on social media, he's getting hounded. But you know what? Garrett Cole went six plus, giving up one run and gave you an unbelievable shot to win that game. He did his job and the Yankees did the rest. The Yankees, they just have like the the higher quality choir higher quality of players on their team. And it just looks I don't see this series going very far. So, yeah, right. Congrats to the Guardians for as far as they've gotten. Uh, I just don't see them hanging with the big boys there. Um, The other one that I wanted to talk about quickly was the Padres and the Dodgers. I stayed up way too late watching this game uh, on Tuesday. The Padres, they came into this series with all the momentum. They were playing with house money. I didn't like the fact they started Clevenger in game one because every time Clevenger has faced the Dodgers this year, he gets beat up. And I know they probably didn't have any other choice, but that was what stood out for me. Um, when you watched this and saw the recap and everything else, what, what, what was your takeaway? My takeaway is the Dodgers are still the best team in baseball and San Diego is still there is still their little brother until further notice. And I think it's going to be a good series. I do think San Diego is going to battle, but the Dodgers just do not have many holes in their entire roster. And that's what makes it so challenging. Yes. Dodgers jumped out to a five, nothing lead. And San Diego fought back because they do have a lot of great players. They have star power of their own, but you're, you're asking San Diego to finally get over the hurdle when are they at the full strength and whatever you want to say about the whole Tatis issue, they just aren't as seasoned or ready to, for me to take the step over the Dodgers. I think it's going to be a good series. I really do, but I just, there's a reason why the Dodgers broke broke their franchise record. And I think if they take game two in LA, I think then 
the San Diego's hopes of, of, of winning that series are gone. One other thing that I thought was interesting was that Evan Phillips came in. Um, he obviously was a former Oriole. Did, did you get a chance to play with him in the, in the minor league? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I spent, I spent time with Evan. And first off, great guy. And he – and this is a great example for people. Evan had some injuries. And obviously, new front office, the Orioles came in. He he wasn't a part of when he got traded to Baltimore. He wasn't involved in the new front office of bringing him in. And and then you know the new front office, you prioritize different guys, and that's part of baseball. And Evan got let go and got picked up by Tampa, and then eventually ended up with the Dodgers. And it goes to show you, if you look at his numbers in the past, maybe they weren't the best, but look what he's done with LA and being so consistent. And it's a testament to him. And it's a great thing of, of persevering, trusting yourself, getting healthy, because when the right opportunity presented itself, he showed on the best team in baseball that he could be a high value asset. So I'm super happy for him. Uh, I hope I beat him in fantasy football. My team is terrible in the dynasty league. I'm in with him. I inherited a team that had some struggles, but he's a good commit. He's a good commissioner and a, uh, and a good guy. So I'm, I'm definitely pulling for, for Philly. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a fun little wrinkle. Yeah, to follow Evan Phillips, fantasy football commissioner. How how is he as a commissioner? Is he is he you know fair and just? He is. He is. He's good. He's good. I uh, he asked me to join a league with him, and the team I took over, we're probably three or four years away in dynasty. It feels <laughs> like it. That's that's how, that's how bad it feels. And but you know what? It's fun. It, it, and I love it. It's a great way to stay connected with him and a few other teammates. But he's good. He's on top of it, and, and he loves it. I know he does. But I think he is pretty focused on uh, on trying to win a World Series right now. I love that. Yeah, you know, Salisbury, Salisbury, Maryland's own Evan Phillips. People forget that. Um, people, so, people, people forget. Yeah, exactly. So wait, so his success, especially in LA this year, is it just kind of like right situation, right time? Like, is it just being healthy? What What do you think is behind it all? Because I mean, he had like I, a one ERA. I think it's a perfect storm. I, one, his off-speed, his like slider, whatever you want to call it, is 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 nasty. It, it the movement on it, it's one of the best ones that I've personally faced and seen up close. The problem for him was with his arm, he wasn't staying healthy, and then he was being a little bit more inconsistent around the strike zone, and then it would force him to be in situations and and whether he would have to throw a ball over the plate, which was maybe a more hittable pitch because he was down in the count, or he just didn't have the feel of his pitches. And that could be from, from trying to find himself from just being rusty to fighting his injuries. And then you, you go to a different team and it just kind of clicks. And the Dodgers obviously are able to bring out the best and, and he works extremely hard. So he was constantly working on it. So I just think he got the right opportunity, the right fit, and actually, in t- when he went to Tampa, he got called up in DFA'd, and then that's when the Dodgers picked him up. So he didn't; it wasn't even his next stop. But it is great to see that, that you know the Rays and Dodgers, two of the best teams over the last five years, saw value in him. I'm definitely sure that gave him confidence. And then you know, but he went out and did it. And man, man, did he uh, did he put out, did he have a performance this year? And I hope he continues that through the postseason. Absolutely, he got out of a sticky situation there with that double play last night. Um, and obviously, like I said, he's, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball this year, I feel like. So yeah, that's no doubt. Hands down. It's, it's so much fun to watch. 
Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, how do you kind of see this playoffs rolling out? Because I, I saw a stat, it was like 71% of the time, if you win game one in a best of five, you're going to take the whole series. Do you, do you kind of see that playing out for the guys that have taken game one so far? So, so far, I would say everyone except, I think I still believe in the Braves. I, I think the Braves are a better team than they were last year. Now pressure's on to win game two in Atlanta. Like talk about must wins. They have to win. You do not want to go to Philly down 2-0. And that would be the one. But I think the other teams, I just think that they're in good position. You know, the, the one, honestly, that I think would have the best chance actually of them, and it's still hard, is the Padres, just because of the amount of star power that the Padres have. Um, that they could pull something off. I don't think that they will. But I think the Astros play, the Astros play well home and away. Yankees are, I think we talked about it a little bit. They're, they're the better, they're the better team in my mind. Um, so that Phillies and Braves one, I'm really circling because that one really could go either way. And and, and I expect the Braves to bounce back. And and I and I know the Atlanta hopeful is, if not, if they don't win this series, they won't hear it. They won't hear the end of that from the Philly faithful for quite some time. Ah, oh, it's the best. Um, well, where can people follow you? I know you're you're making your rounds on, on the, in the media space. So, you know, where, where can people follow the Ryan Ripken experience? So on Twitter and Instagram, it's just Ryan Ripken, all one word. Come say hi, poke your head in give me a follow grade. And, and I like to interact. I like to answer questions about anything. So, so hit me up there. And I just started a YouTube channel to post some things, did a, a, a preview on the, the divisional series. So. If you want to give it a listen or a look, uh, that'd be great. If not, that's okay too. Oh, that's that's awesome. Well, hey, we'd love to have you keep coming back on maybe once a week here, talk a little playoffs, get Brian involved next week. But um, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course, Justin. I told you it's always a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to having the full gang on and, and we'll talk some more baseball. And thank you again to our guest for this week, Ryan Ripken, for talking about all things playoffs. Before we get out of here, we had two last things. We wanted to give a shout-out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. It's an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Founded in Cape May, New Jersey by Alec Levin, they donate $5 of every sale to charities around the world. So check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com and use the promo code N4L for 10% off of your entire order of tees, hats, hoodies, and more. And last but not least, check out our Not For Long Media family of podcasts. Tons of great content for you guys to check out. The Colin Thompson Show with our guy CT. Sure to check out our other Not For Long podcast, Two Girls, One League. And Aji's with Harry Mays and Jason Mertitas, two great Philly dudes. Uh, thank you again to Ryan Ripken, and we'll see you guys next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Son